Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish is upset. Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the program. I am Darren Pritchett. Again, apologize. The voice slowly getting better. It might take a week of vacation to come all the way back. In fact, let's just go ahead and mention right now that with vacation time next week, it's a holiday week that we will not have Budweiser's weekday sports beat next Monday through Friday. Instead, we will have CBS Sports Radio on from 5 until 7 o'clock to entertain you and keep the sports talk going. So next week, Monday through Friday, no sports beat. We'll have CBS Sports Radio on. And then after Christmas, let's see, the 26th is a holiday. So we will go ahead and restart Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Tuesday, December the 27th. And we will be all in on the Notre Dame matchup against South Carolina in the Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville, December 30th, 3.30 kickoff right here on Sports Radio 960 WSPT. But we are on the air for two hours tonight, and we have a lot of local topics to get to. A Notre Dame football player goes into the transfer portal. There are head coaches coming and going on next year's Notre Dame football schedule. We'll talk about that and also a pretty good quarterback that the Irish don't have to worry about facing next year. Also this hour, we'll have our Twitter question of the day. Purdue has a new head football coach. I'll have a couple of thoughts 
on the Boilermakers going with Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters. Also, our My 5 question of the day, the top five storylines from week 14 in the National Football League. In the 6 o'clock hour, we'll kick off the hour by doing a recap of the first half of the Notre Dame hockey season. The Irish are at 500, but despite a lot of stats that don't look good, one stat more than any other is the most important, and that's Notre Dame's best stat. I'll explain what all that means coming up when we talk some hockey in the 6 o'clock hour. Also, we are going to pay tribute to the great Mike Leach, who passed away last night at the age of 61, reportedly had a massive heart attack on Saturday, and we lost a great offensive mind, a entertainer as a football coach. I guess we could call him very creative in his way of thinking. Didn't always like to talk football. He would talk about anything, and we put together a, a little package that will play in the 6 o'clock hour where he talks about his favorite type of candy. He offers wedding advice and also one of the great sound bites. He was asked if all of the Pac-12 mascots had basically a duel, which mascot would come out on top, and it is absolute classic audio from Mike Leach, who we lost way too soon. The Mississippi State head coach passed away last night at the age of 61. Mississippi State did announce today that they will go ahead and play their bowl game on January 2nd against Illinois. And also we'll wrap up next hour with our sports wagering segment. For high school basketball fans, We've got high school hoops action on our sister station, 96.1 The Ton tonight. Right after 7 o'clock on 96.1 The Ton, we'll start pregame coverage of what is kind of a preview of a possible sectional matchup down in Plymouth as Michigan City will take on 3-1 Mishawaka at the Cave. Hopefully a good turnout from the Mishawaka fan base tonight for this big game. Cavemen are 3-1, and one, coming off a victory over South Bend Riley, their first win against Riley in 16 tries dating back to 2005. They'll try to build on that success when they take on Michigan City tonight. And as I mentioned in our sports update, the Penn Kingsmen are undefeated. Marcus Burton and the Kingsmen, number 2 and 4A, in the latest boys basketball AP poll, in 3A, our local schools are at the top. Marion, number one, Northwood, number three, and South Bend, Washington comes in at number four. So a lot of local teams are being recognized in the state polls after getting off to terrific starts. One other note I want to get to, the awards continue to roll in for Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame Titan, except the Mackey Award. But he is now officially a consensus All-American as mayor picked up another first-team honor from the Sporting News to go along with the Associated Press and the Walter Camp All-American Team. Football Writers Association had mayor as a second-team All-American. But mayor led all FBS tight ends in touchdown receptions this year. Also had 67 catches for 809 yards and rewrote 
the Notre Dame record books for tight ends, 180 catches, 2,099 yards, and 18 touchdown receptions. Mayer becomes the 106th consensus All-American in Notre Dame football history, and that pretty much locks him in to eventually be elected into the College Football Hall of Fame. So, Michael, congratulations on your honors, and down the road we will hear his name called for the Hall of Fame in Atlanta, Georgia. 514 is our time. We've got some first pitches to get to on Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The first pitch and the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Well, our first pitch tonight, Kane Barong has entered the transfer portal, and we've got Notre Dame football and their opponents. We've got people coming and going. And for Barong, he is leaving South Bend. Kane Barong, 6'3", a 243-pound tight end, coming out of high school in Georgia. Barong picked the Fighting Irish over the Georgia Bulldogs, the Michigan Wolverines, the USC Trojans, the LSU Tigers, and the Penn State Nittany Lions. Barong was with the Notre Dame football program for two years. He leaves town with three years of eligibility remaining. He played three games last year, suffered an ACL injury, only got into one game this year. It was against Boston College. So Barong had the ability to be an impact pass catcher for this Fighting Irish football team, but there's a log jam of tight ends right now in South Bend. A little of that got unclogged when one heck of a player, Michael Mayer, left the team for the NFL draft. But Barong is not going to stick around to see if he could be the guy to replace Michael Mayer. Now short term, for the Gator Bowl against South Carolina, Notre Dame has three healthy scholarship players. Now keep in mind there are a couple of tight ends that are injured right now, Eli Raritan and Kevin Bauman. So the healthy scholarship tight ends for the Gator Bowl with Mayer leaving for the NFL and Barong going to the portal. You've got Mitchell Evans, Holden Stays, and the H-back tight end, Davis Sherwood. Now, as we look ahead to next year without Kane Barong, the Irish have a lot of familiar names back, or at least we assume they're going to be back. You got Mitchell Evans, who is known now for being Mr. Mitch Palooza more than a tight end. Evans became the short yardage tight end who went under center, took the snap and powered forward to pick up the first down. Worked in every game except out at the Coliseum against USC. Evans, Kevin Bauman coming off another injury. Eli Raritan holding stays. Davis Sherwood, you've got true freshman Cooper Flanagan joining the tight end room next year. You lose Barong, who could be a guy 
you could count on to be a detached tight end, had really good ball catching skills, but it will not be with the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Let's see if he heads back to the south, more toward his home. And we'll follow the progress of Kane Brung as he leaves Notre Dame to try to find greener pastures. Notre Dame's offense will look a lot different next year. And I'm not being critical of the tight ends I listed that are going to be on the depth chart next year. But just keep in mind how offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, rightfully so, built the offense around Michael Mayer. He was the target for Drew Pine. He was the guy Pine could count on. He went to him early and often, even when he had several opposing players around Mayer. The combination worked very well this year. So you go from a tight end that you built the offense around to a handful of players that have potential but have been more part-time players. We'll see when we get spring practice underway, who can step to the forefront? And you're not going to replace Michael Mayer. That's impossible. But let's see what type of quality play the Irish can get from the tight end position. Evans seems like a leading candidate. Bauman, you kind of know what you're going to get. Raritan and Stays. We'll see the young guys if they can impact the team next year. But for the Gator Bowl, Evans, Sherwood, and Stays are your tight ends. Kane Barong to the transfer portal. Speaking of comings and goings, this was a stunner. Over the weekend, we found out that I'm pretty sure I speak for Irish fans around the world. We have a lot of respect for that United States Naval Academy football team. They always seem to give the Irish a hard time. Every once in a while, Notre Dame will blow them out. But look at this year. It was a root canal beating Navy in Baltimore, having to hang on for dear life after the great first half. And then Notre Dame's offense did nothing in the second half. And Navy battled back and were an onside kick away from having a chance to win the ballgame. They didn't. But Ken Niamatololo has been... Such a huge part of that Navy program for a long time. But after losing a heartbreaker to Army in double overtime Saturday, 20-17, to 17, 20 minutes later, the Navy AD came in the locker room and fired Coach Ken. That's a stunner. When you think of Navy football, I think of maybe three things right off the bat. Number one, Roger Staubach, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback of Navy. When I was growing up, I remember Navy had a great running back, Napoleon McCallum, that had a big push toward the Heisman Trophy. And honestly, Coach Ken is right there with Roger and Napoleon. 15 seasons as Navy's head coach, he went 109 and 83. 4-8 this year, 11-23 over the past three years. That's part of the reason why he was let go. But according to the Navy AD, expectations were made very clear to Coach Ken. Be bowl eligible and win the commander 
in Chief Trophy. Of course, that is Navy, Army, and Air Force. The outright winner of those matchups wins the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. The last seven years, those matchups have not been kind to Navy. Coach Ken and the midshipmen are 2-5 and five against Army in the last seven years. 2-5 and five against Air Force. Now, I was told by someone that was very familiar with military academy football. And he mentioned a lot of these academies had trouble after 9-11 getting people to join the academies. Army had a really rough go for a while. Just think about what Coach Ken has done. Of course, he took over well after 9-11, but in 15 years, he was 26 games over 500. And think about how he doesn't have the luxury of getting high-end football players to come into his program. I mean, the elite guys that all the top programs are recruiting. He's got to go about it a different way. He graduated his kids. Very competitive football teams. It doesn't sound like a lot, but Coach Ken went 4-11 against Notre Dame and considering Notre Dame Navy the last 30 years, 4-11 is pretty doggone good. Now, he's lost five in a row to the Irish, including that heartbreaker in Baltimore earlier this year. I have a lot of respect for Coach Ken. He did it the right way. Players always play with a lot of respect. They played hard every single game. I know you're supposed to play hard at your job, but I think those Navy guys just go above and beyond the dedication to their craft. And I'm really sorry to see Coach Ken be let go by Navy. He is Navy football and always brought a stern challenge to the Fighting Irish. I'm just wondering who in the world do they bring in to be their new head coach? It takes a special individual to take over at Navy. It's not your normal head football coaching job. Honestly, one name comes to mind, and it's Coach Ken. That's the guy. So it's going to be very strange when Notre Dame takes on Navy next year. No Coach Ken leading that midshipman football team and I'm sorry to hear the news a lot of respect for coach Ken and then Stanford has hired Sacramento State coach Troy Taylor another team the Irish play every year the Cardinal Taylor's an interesting story you think about Stanford hiring Jim Harbaugh from San Diego to take over well Taylor has been an FCS coaching star the last couple of years at Sacramento State Four years with the program, he led the Hornets to the FCS playoffs three times. The one year they didn't make it, Sacramento State did not field a team during the pandemic. Taylor's record at Sac State, 30-8, 23-1 at a tough Big Sky Conference. And the Hornets lost one of the wildest playoff games in recent memory. Incarnate Word knocked off. Sacramento State Friday night in an FCS quarterfinal 66 to 63. 
Taylor spent a season at Eastern Washington before becoming the offensive coordinator at Utah for two years. He's been at Sacramento State since 2019. So no catch can no coach can when Notre Dame takes on Navy. And when Notre Dame takes on Stanford next year in Palo Alto, last game of the year, it'll be Troy Taylor leading the Cardinal football program. One thing that Notre Dame does not have to worry about, Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee will not return to Palo Alto. He has entered the NFL draft, and McKee this year, with a very poor offense around him, 2,947 yards, completed 62% of his passes, 13 touchdowns, 8 picks. McKee against Notre Dame, leading the Cardinal to the upset win of the Irish. 26 of 38 for 288 yards, no touchdowns, and no interceptions. So, our first pitch tonight, Notre Dame football and their opponents had people coming and going. Irish tight end Kane Barong to the transfer portal. Coach Ken fired at Navy. And Troy Taylor from Sacramento State is Stanford's new head football coach. 527 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Coming up next, our Twitter question of the day. But we had a very interesting vote yesterday on our Notre Dame football question surrounding Tyler Buckner's usage in the Gator Bowl. I mean, the voting, all four answers got a lot of support from listeners voting on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. We'll give you the results of that question coming up and ask today's question, and it centers around former Irish quarterback Drew Pine and his next possible destination. That's coming up, Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. at WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. We had a very interesting vote yesterday for our Twitter question of the day on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. Here was the question. Considering Notre Dame quarterback Tyler Buckner will not be hit during practice leading up to the bowl game, How much do you want Buckner to play considering he is coming off left shoulder surgery? Here were the four choices I offered. Number one, he takes every offensive snap. Choice number two, a majority of snaps. Your third choice, Buckner shares offensive snaps with Angeli. Choice number four, don't risk it. Coming off surgery, don't play him. Let's talk about the results from yesterday. The least amount of votes was 19.4%. The most votes was 28.7%. We've been doing this question of the day for over a year between Sportsbeat AM and 
weekday sports beat. And this, by far, is the closest vote between the top choice and the least choice. Less than 10%. Here's how the voting went down. Again, since Buckner is not going to be hit in practice leading up to the bowl game, how much do you want him to play in the Gator Bowl since he's coming off shoulder surgery? Fourth place, 19.4% of the vote. Don't play him. I can understand the thought of just saying, you know what, let's just get him ready for spring practice and then go from there. But I probably wouldn't have went that direction because the doctors have cleared him. And it's not like he's at risk for re-injuring the shoulder. Now, could he get hurt again? Absolutely. But he's been cleared. So the doctors would not put him out there if there was a risk of re-injuring the shoulder that just had work done on it after he was injured in week two. So, although I understand the vote, he's been cleared, so it's football. Get out there and play. Third place in the voting. Third place only got 4.7 less percent of the vote than the top choice. 24% went to Buckner sharing snaps with Steve Angeli. So that means you've got basically two quarterbacks playing against South Carolina. Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, was on the program yesterday. We have different points of view on how Notre Dame should use the quarterback position. I'm of the camp that Tyler Buckner should get as many snaps as necessary because he is part of the equation next year to who starts for this football team. There's probably a transfer quarterback that's coming in. We don't know who that is yet, but that's a candidate for the job. Buckner's a candidate. And Jelly, I would probably assume, is behind Buckner, but he'll get his opportunity. But I just need to see Tyler Buckner play more. He wasn't given a game plan against Ohio State where he could show us much. Marshall game plan, I like what they tried to do in the second half. I just need to see more of Tyler Buckner. So sharing snaps with Angeli, if that's a compromise, I'll take it. Now, I know Tyler had been of the thought he wanted to see Angeli get the opportunities because he has been the backup to Drew Pine. All right, second place in the voting. Considering Irish quarterback Tyler Buckner will not be hit in practice leading up to the bowl game, how much do you want him to play since he's coming off shoulder surgery? 27.9% said that Buckner should play every snap. That's how I would have voted. I want him out there. Let's see what he can do. Major hype about Buckner coming out of high school in California. Of course, missed a year due to a knee injury, missed a year due to COVID. 
Change-up quarterback his first year in South Bend. Last year only got to start two games due to injury. I just need to see him play. So I would have voted every snap like 27.9%. And that got a little less than 1% less of the vote than the winning vote. 28.7% the winning vote was. Buckner gets a majority of the snaps, and I'm okay with that too, as long as he gets a majority of the opportunities. I'd love to see every offensive snap, but if it's 80-20, I'm okay with that. Again, I just want to see him play. Let's see what Notre Dame has in Tyler Buckner. We heard Tommy Reese over the weekend mention he was having some really good practices. In fact, I think the day of the press conference, didn't Tommy say that it was one of his best? So I'm ready to see Tyler Buckner play. I'm excited. He's cleared to play. Unleash the Hounds. Let's see what he can do against the Gamecocks of South Carolina. So interesting vote. 19.4, don't play him at all. 24% share snaps with Angeli. 27.9, Buckner gets every snap. 28.7, Buckner gets a majority of the snaps. Great vote. Thanks for voting, everyone, on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. And now we get to today's question that was posted late this afternoon at 960SportsBeat on Twitter. And the question reads like this. What type of program do you believe former Notre Dame quarterback Drew Pine will join this offseason? Of course, if you've not been following Notre Dame football, you don't know this. So let me just do a very quick recap. Drew Pine started the last 10 games for Notre Dame after Buckner went down with the injury. Had his ups and downs. At the end of the regular season, Marcus Freeman, the head coach of the Irish, was bluntly honest, telling Drew we're probably going to bring in a transfer quarterback at that point. Pine decided to leave Notre Dame and enter the transfer portal. So where might he go? I haven't seen a lot of buzz about Pine on social media. I offered three choices today. What type of program does Pine join this offseason? Choice number one, a top 25 caliber team. Choice number two, a power five conference team. That wouldn't be top 25. And your third choice, a non-Power 5 conference team. Sunbelt, MAC, a couple of the examples. Mountain West. So what type of program do you think Drew Pine will join this offseason? Top 25 caliber team, Power 5 conference team, non-Power 5 conference team. You can vote right now throughout the day tomorrow on my Twitter account at 960-SPORTSBEAT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat is being brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana this holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. 
Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. And by Tim Growl State Farm Insurance, this holiday season, protect your family from those unexpected life moments. Call Tim at 232-9981. Coming up next, more college football conversation. But we move our conversation to West Lafayette. And the Purdue Boilermakers have a new head football coach. Details on that hire coming up. 16 minutes in front of 6 o'clock on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Highlight reel one by Williams. Down the sideline, Williams. Chased by Gamble. 20, 10, what a run. Touchdown. Spectacular run. Here's the fake. Meyer looking. Meyer finding the other tight end. Irv Smith, touchdown. Flag fire, rocket, touchdown. Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the program, 547 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, the Purdue Boilermakers had to find a new head football coach because Jeff Brom decided to leave West Lafayette to go back home to Louisville. His alma mater became the new head football coach at Louisville. It feels like that was something that was bound to happen and it finally did for years. We've been wondering, is Brom going to leave for Louisville? Well, I guess the time was right, and Brom left West Lafayette for Louisville. You know, I'm really curious to see, and I don't have the answer to my own question, but where we are right now in college football with these mega media deals that are being put together, and right now the SEC and the Big Ten Conference are the two powerhouse leagues. And you've got the Big 12, who is trying to reboot, bringing in some new teams like Cincinnati, the Pac-12 losing USC, and I think ultimately, eventually, UCLA to the Big Ten, and maybe more teams are gobbled up. The ACC has just been, I think, waiting to get picked apart. It hasn't happened as of yet. But if you think about where the power is right now in college football, I'm kind of curious to see leaving a Big Ten school for an ACC school in football if if that's a major step down. But he has made the move, and Purdue had to find a new head football coach. And I would have to think that a lot of Boilermaker fans were surprised by the announcement today of the new head coach. I would say it was kept pretty secret by the Boilermaker administration, but Purdue has welcomed their new head football coach. It is Ryan Walters. He's 36 years old, played his college football at Colorado. And Walters 
spent some time as the defensive coordinator in the SEC for the Missouri Tigers. He left that position for the University of Illinois before the 2021 season. It's almost kind of comical now that there was a huge party almost thrown in Columbia that Missouri lost Walters. But his defenses weren't very good at Missouri. I think it was more about the personnel and the conference you're in than the job he was doing there. He got to Champaign-Urbana, started working for Brett Bielema, and Walters took a horrible defense at Illinois and has turned it into at least statistically one of the best ones in the country. Now, let's be fair. Walters, I think, is a terrific young coaching prospect. As someone who's from Illinois, still roots for Illinois, he did an amazing job with that defense. They were horrible. And you look at the national statistics this year, Illinois near the top in a lot of categories. They held down Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Now, Purdue put up, what, 31? And there were a couple of things out of Illinois' control that did not help their cause that day in giving up 31 points. But Walters did a heck of a job. I think just from his time watching him, as a defensive coordinator in Champaign. First off, the players loved him. The defensive players had a lot of respect for him. They played at a high level for him. And I think he and the rest of the defensive coaching staff did a miraculous job of developing. I think it is fair to say that outside of maybe a couple of guys, there weren't many guys recruited by, let's say, Notre Dame on that Illinois defense. But they developed their players, and they played at an extremely high level. Now, are they in a side of the Big Ten where you can put up some good defensive numbers? Hey, absolutely. Iowa, Nebraska, Northwestern, those offenses, not very good. So, sure, if Illinois was in the other division, would it look a little different? Sure, but let's remember they held Michigan – under 20 points in Ann Arbor. That was Ryan Walters' defense that pulled that off. Now, Walters was not in Champaign when Illinois brought in, at the last second, a young man by the name of Devon Witherspoon. Witherspoon was going to play JUCO football, and at the very last second, Illinois picked him up and signed him. You go to on three, rivals, 24-7, wherever you go for your favorite recruiting information. Devon Witherspoon was a zero star recruit. Zero. Nothing. Nobody wanted him. Illinois picked him up. And under the direction of Ryan Walters as defensive coordinator, Devon Witherspoon, this guy who was a zero star recruit, is probably close to being a consensus All-American cornerback this year for Illinois. He was up for the defensive back of the year award. Honestly, I think he should have won it, went to a guy from TCU. But Weatherspoon is now considered a top 15 draft pick coming up this spring. He had a marvelous season in Champaign. 
And not all the credit goes to Ryan Walters. Like I said, he did not recruit him. But he was a part of the reason why Devon Witherspoon developed from a zero-star recruit into an All-American and maybe a top 15 NFL draft pick. He did a great job of nurturing this Illinois football team on the defensive side. And I have no idea how good he is going to be as a head coach. This will be his first time as head coach. And I think based on the early reaction of social media, a lot of Purdue fans are upset that their AD, Mike Bobinski, hired a first-time head coach. I think all of us as fans, it's human nature, we think more of our program sometimes than the rest of the world. And I'm not sure Purdue is in the position to be picky on how many years their guy has experience as a head coach. I think there's nothing wrong with hiring Ryan Walters, a first-time head coach. Notre Dame went down that road again with Marcus Freeman after being the defensive coordinator here in South Bend. Got off to a slow start. Big reason why with his leadership, they got things turned around and finished 8-4 and four after that very frustrating start to the year. I think Purdue fans should give him a shot. Again, I'm not guaranteeing he's going to be a great head coach. All I know is he is a great young defensive mind. Kept it very simple in Champaign for his defensive players, and they responded with a tremendous season this year. So Walters went from a guy that Mizzou fans ran out of Columbia, and it's weird. Illinois fans are calmer about Walters leaving for Purdue than the Purdue fans who got the guy to be their head coach. It's very, very strange. The Illinois fan base is very supportive of him, happy for him. They know he's a great mind. I think everybody knew that Roots for Illinois, that he was going to be gone. I think we all thought it was going to be to Colorado, his alma mater. Then Deion Sanders happened. And then I think we all thought, hey, we might have dodged a bullet. Walters is going to stay in Champaign another year. But Purdue, I think it's a great choice. I hope it works out. I hope he's a good head coach. I know he's a great defensive mind. He's a great developer of talent, recruited very well. I think it's got a chance to work in West Lafayette. And the old Western Conference is getting, or the Western Division of the Big Ten Conference is getting a little more challenging. It's got some interesting names now on that West side. Of course, it all started with Bielema, Rule going to Nebraska, Matt Rule, who got fired as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. I'm actually kind of surprised he jumped back into coaching so quickly. He was making a ton of money there in Carolina and decided to jump back in, wanted to be a college football coach. Luke Fickle left Cincinnati for Wisconsin. So the Western division is still way behind the East. What is the West? 0-9 in Big Ten football conference championship games against the East. But with Fickle and Rule and Bielema and hopefully Walters at Purdue, some better days ahead for that side of the conference. So good luck to Ryan Walters, 36 years old, first-time head coach with the Purdue Boilermakers and Mike Babinski. And a statement today had this to say about the hiring of Walters, quote, 
From an early point in the search process, Coach Walters stood out because of the energy, passion, and intelligence he displayed as a defensive coordinator in both the Big Ten Conference and Southeastern Conference. His meteoric rise in the coaching profession is in large part due to his unique ability to connect with his student-athletes as both a coach and a mentor. With that in mind, we look forward to the culture and atmosphere of success he and his staff will instill in and around our football program, and we see him as a perfect fit for our university and this community, end quote. Mike Babinski on the hiring of Ryan Walters, who was a finalist for the Broyles Award for the top assistant coach in college football. It is 5.58. We've got a sports update coming up in just a couple of moments, including Michael Mayer, now a consensus All-American. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, 558 on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960, WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. Lieberman with a puck in the air, tapping it on his stick, brings it into the offensive zone. Right side, Ralston, he shoots and scores! Ryder Ralston, a wrist shot from the right dot. It eludes Soulier. And Notre Dame's first shot on goal comes nine minutes and 42 seconds into the game, and the shot finds the back of the net. one nothing Notre Dame. That was from Saturday's game at the Compton Family Ice Arena. After losing to number five Penn State the previous night, Notre Dame roared back to take down the Lions on Saturday by a score of 5-3. to three. Darren Pritchett back with you. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We continue to stream live at WSBTradio.com. Also available on the free WSBT radio app. A live video stream available on the Twitch app. Notre Dame hockey has taken a break for the holidays. We will not see the Irish once again until New Year's Eve when they take on an old opponent from their CCHA days, the Nanooks of Alaska Fairbanks. Let's talk about the first half of the Notre Dame hockey season. The Irish, after splitting with Penn State, they finished the first half with a record of 8-8-2. 14 of their last 15 games were against ranked opponents. They went 6-7-1. and In those 14 games against teams ranked, the only team not ranked during that stretch of games was Boston College and the Irish won in Chestnut Hill over the Eagles 5-2. And B.C. is in the low 20s right now in the Parawise, so it was not like that was a cupcake game for the Fighting Irish. They have faced a very challenging schedule so far this year, and I think right now, it's fair to say their record of 8-8-2 eight, eight, and two does define who they are right now. It cannot be overstated. The schedule has a lot to do with their record. I will also say this. You take a look at what they have done in the first half. 
against that elite competition, they have figured out a way, except maybe one series, not to scratch out a win against these great teams. Now, they started the year against the defending national champion and number one Denver on the road, lost 5-2. They have played Western Michigan, a ranked team, a win and a loss against Michigan State, a win and a tie here at home. They lost two to a top five Minnesota team on the road, but then the Irish have got off to slow starts in these Big Ten series against ranked teams, and they find a way to split the series. They lost the opener at home against Michigan, won in overtime the next night, lost the opener at Ohio State, won the next night, won nothing. Even going on the road around Thanksgiving, they lost the first game to BU 5-2, won at BC 5-2, and then to keep that trend going last weekend, a 5-2 loss to Penn State on Friday, won the second game by a score of 5-3. So, yeah, they're 8-8-2, but there are a lot of numbers, if you're into stats, that would tell you that maybe Notre Dame is not as good as their 8 8 and two record. And I can read you some numbers here that makes you wonder how they're eight, eight, and two. But here's the funny thing throw away all of the stats that tend to make you believe that, hey, this team, are they really eight, eight, and two? There's one stat that only matters in the larger scheme of things, and that is the pairwise. And Notre Dame is right there in the rankings, halfway point to have a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. Let me explain. You look at some of the team numbers for the Irish, they are probably not at levels we're accustomed to seeing Notre Dame with Jeff Jackson in charge of this program. Offensively, out of 60 teams in Division I hockey, 60 teams, Notre Dame is tied for 44th in goals per game at 2.5. You want to be at least at 3. Right now, Notre Dame's got some work to do to get to that point. You know, I think Coach Jackson has stressed to his team to shoot more. They're passing up good shots. Sometimes they try to be too perfect. I'll say this, in my humble opinion, I am not a hockey coach, but I listen to what other people say, and I I try to observe as best as I can. Of course, I have to focus on the puck as a play-by-play broadcaster, but When the puck is up against the boards, I think one area we can get better at is winning more wall battles, and that's when the puck is up against the boards. you got to grind, scratch, claw, slash, hammer, whatever the case may be, your opponent to get control of the puck. And I thought at times on Friday, Penn State won too many of those wall wars. It got better on Saturday. And if you win more battles – That can improve your offensive scoring. And another thing that can improve your offense, and that is winning face-offs in your offensive zone. I've said this for a long time, but being a big hockey fan and then learning so much, being around Coach Jackson, Coach Pooley, Coach Slaggart, I don't know if there is a more underrated stat in any sport than face-off win percentage. If you think about it, How many times when you're watching an NHL game do they flash on the screen who's winning the faceoffs? What are the totals? I try to pass along that a couple of times a period because I think it's vital. Why is it important? When you win faceoffs, you control the puck. 
when you control the puck, you have a chance to score and the other team cannot score. I know it sounds simple. It sounds kindergartenish, but simple is important. And having the puck keeps it out of your net and gives you more chances to score goals. And Notre Dame right now is at 49.5% in faceoff win percentage. So they're below 50%, and they are 35th out of 60 teams. Now, to the credit of Notre Dame hockey, they faced the number two faceoff win percentage last weekend in Penn State, and they won the faceoff game Friday and Saturday against Penn State. Notre Dame lost a lot of their best faceoff men last year. You had Cam Burke leave the program. He's now a grad student at Boston College. Graham Slaggart, who played wing and center, was really good in the faceoff circle. And I'm having a brain cramp. We lost, arguably statistically, our best faceoff man. He was a grad transfer to Omaha, and I'm embarrassed I can't think of his name, but I am just having a brain cramp. All I can say is Trevor Janicki right now, and he's still on the hockey team. It'll it'll come to me in a couple of moments. His dad was a really good NHL player. But improving faceoff win percentage can go a long way to improving that offensive number. You win offensive zone draws, good things can happen. Now defensively, my goodness, under Coach Jackson, you're kind of used to Notre Dame being in the top 10 in goals against average and defensive scoring. Right now, Notre Dame is tied for 39th in goals per game, giving up three per contest. So out of 60 teams, they're tied for 39th. Now, at times, that number can be deceiving. You give up empty net goals. They count toward that number. Notre Dame, trying to get back in the game, on Friday gave up two empty net goals to Penn State. But again, that number's not what you're used to seeing from Notre Dame hockey teams. Special teams is at times the difference between a team that can make the NCAA tournament compared to a team that has a chance to win a national championship. Special teams are so important. I know Coach Jackson has always preached You want to be at least plus one in special teams every time you step out on the ice. And for the Fighting Irish, they were so good on special teams last year, and they were a team that got to the regional final of the NCAA tournament. One went away from making the Frozen Four. And special teams was special. Their power play was top 25. It was solid, but the penalty kill was a difference maker. They were one or two in the country most of the year. Notre Dame has given up more power play goals this year than they did all of last year. Now, let me put it in perspective. The overall numbers, Notre Dame on the penalty kill, they have killed off 51 of 65 opponent power plays, 77.3%. That is tied for 45th in the country. You look at that number, it's not very good, but... They gave up five power play goals the first weekend to Denver and Air Force. Since that opening weekend, they have been over 80% on the penalty kill. So I know you can't just eliminate that first weekend, but the numbers overall make you believe they have been very poor on the penalty kill all year. Not the case. They were not good the first weekend. They've made some changes. 
to personnel, and it's getting better. Overall, it's still not where you want to be, but since the first weekend, it's been acceptable, I would say, the type of play from the penalty kill unit. Power play this year, 47th out of 60 teams, 9 for 59, 15.3%. Going into last weekend against Penn State, Notre Dame was 2 for their last 40 on the power play, and they scored two times last weekend against Penn State. Hopefully that's a sign of better things to come from the power play. So I just gave you our national rankings, tied for 44th, tied for 39th, 47th, tied for 45th, 35th. You're in the bottom half in the country and all those categories I mentioned. Stats are important. Stats can tell a story. But I'm here to tell you, wipe that from your mind. Forget we even talked about it. It's a way of talking about how the team has performed this year. But at the end of the day, only one stat matters. And that is where you stand in the pairwise. And that is the computer formula that ranks the teams. They look at RPI, strength of schedule. I honestly don't know the formula. I think road wins count extra. But the pairwise is what the committee uses to put teams in place for the 16-team NCAA tournament. Now, like basketball, you win a conference title, you get an automatic berth into the NCAA tournament. So if the Irish won the Big Ten tournament, they're going dancing once again this year. So despite being 8-8-2, and a lot of ups and downs in the first half. We go into the Christmas holiday, 17th in the pairwise. Now, you want to be in the top 12 to feel comfortable making the tournament because 13 through 16 are susceptible being knocked out by automatic qualifiers, teams outside of the top 16 that get in because they want a conference tournament. Just like the NCAA basketball tournament, teams get bumped. That's why you want to be above 12. But for Notre Dame to be 17th right now, It feels really good. At times, you wondered if they were going to get close to the tournament, the ups and downs of the first half. But at the end of the day, the tough schedule that I referenced earlier and basically breaking even against that schedule has given them a chance. The Big Ten's tough. Wisconsin really is the only team that's down right now. They have three points through 10 conference games, and Notre Dame has not played Wisconsin yet. Not to say that's automatic four wins, but it's a chance to win some games to get back on track. The Big Ten standings, Minnesota has 30 points, Penn State 22, Michigan State 20, Ohio State 15, Michigan 12, Notre Dame 12, Wisconsin 3. Minnesota is not going to be caught by the Irish. We can forget about the Big Ten championship, but they can strive for home ice in the first round. Only the Big Ten champion gets a bye in the first round, so if you finish second, third, or fourth, you get home ice for the best of three quarterfinal round series. And if you look at it that way, Notre Dame is only three points behind Ohio State for the last spot to host the first round of the Big Ten tournament. That is achievable. Catching Minnesota? No, you would need a ton of help. I mean, a miraculous second half where everything went your way. So let's be realistic. Getting home ice in the quarterfinals would be an achievement for where this team is at this particular Time. They're 19th in the USCHO.com poll. I'm a voter. I've had Notre Dame 20th, I think, the last four weeks in my poll. But again, at the end of the day, they're 17th in the pairwise. They have life for the NCAA tournament. But 
they got to win games, and you play Alaska in a non-conference series. That's a weak team. You can't afford home losses to Alaska. Get greedy. Win those two games. Get back into Big Ten play, and let's see how things transpire. Again, Notre Dame will take on Alaska December 31st and January 1st at the Compton Family Ice Arena. Both games will start at 5.05. Hear both games on the Notre Dame Radio Network, heard in South Bend, on our sister station, Quality Rock 94.3 FM. And my goal is to have my voice back to normal for that series. All right, 624 is our time. That's a little Notre Dame hockey conversation. When we come back, the My Five question of the day, the top five storylines from week 14 in the National Football League. Budweiser's weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960 WSB. Listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. It is 629 on your home. Of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. We will wrap up the Notre Dame football season. December 30th, 3.30, the Irish and the Gamecocks of South Carolina in the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, Florida. Saturday, December 30th, 3.30 kickoff. Here on WSBT Radio, Blue and Gold's Tyler Hork and I will have game day sports beat powered by Michelob Ultra from noon until 2.30 on December 30th, leading into the Gator Bowl. Paul Burmeister and Ryan Harris on the call here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We have more Irish basketball coming up on Sunday at 4 o'clock. The Fighting Irish will take on the Georgia Bulldogs down in Atlanta. Notre Dame will look to bounce back from that disappointing game against Marquette on Sunday, losing to the Golden Eagles. 79 to 64. So the Bulldogs and the Irish will play in the Atlanta Hawks basketball facility down in Georgia. They've got finals this week, and then the Irish will get rolling once again against Georgia over the weekend. Same for the Irish women's basketball team. They'll be at Virginia Tech over the weekend after finals are completed. All right, 6.30 is our time. Here comes the My 5 question of the day. One question, five answers. This is the My 5 question of the day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The top five storylines from week 14 in the NFL, which wrapped up last night with the Patriots beating the Cardinals in Arizona. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. We'll start with that game. Hey, Arizona is not going to make the playoffs, but Kyler Murray going down with an ACL injury. That is a devastating loss for the Cardinal franchise that we're just looking to finish the year strong, but they'll have to do it without their quarterback. And this affects some teams trying to make the postseason. Teams playing Arizona coming up with playoff aspirations, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and San Francisco. Four. Another storyline from week 14, who are those Dallas Cowboys? 17-point favorites at home to the Houston Texans. Cowboys needed a late goal line stand and then an ensuing touchdown drive in the closing seconds to beat Houston 
27-23. Dallas is 10-3. Looked like a football team that offensively was not going to be stopped, especially by Houston since Dak Prescott came back from his injury, averaging 37 points per game. Did they just lay an egg? Was it a bad opponent? I will say this. Average football teams lose that game. Good football teams figure out a way to win, even against bad competition. And Dallas got it done, but that performance, ugh. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. The Eagles clinching a playoff spot. They beat the Giants in New Jersey, 48-22. Philadelphia continues to roll 12-1 and the favorites to win the NFC. Number two. Another storyline from Week 14, the Detroit Lions beat the Minnesota Vikings 34-23. Detroit was 1-6. They have now won 5-6 of six to get to 6-7 on the year. Seven teams make the playoffs, of course, in the NFC. Detroit right now is the 9 seed. The 7 seed is the Giants, 7-5-1. They beat the Giants. Seattle is 7-6. They are the 8 seed, so the Lions very close to being a playoff team this year after a horrible start. Number one. The top storyline, it's Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant from the draft last year, the quarterback out of Iowa State taken by the Giants. And due to injuries, the third string is now the starter. And Purdy led San Francisco past Tampa Bay 35-7 on Sunday. Purdy, 16 of 21 for 185 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, and a rushing touchdown. Heck of a story right now by the Bay. Brock Purdy leading the Niners and try to keep their Super Bowl hopes alive. Those are the top five storylines from week 14 in the National Football League. All right, I want to spend a moment and just to remember Mike Leach, who we lost last night at the age of 61. The former Texas Tech head coach, he got the Red Raiders to number one in the country, went to Washington State before going to the SEC to take over at Mississippi State. Mike created that great offense, the Air Raid. Lincoln Riley, a graduate from the coaching tree of Mike Leach. Josh Heupel is another. Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. An unbelievable offensive mind, but also... Mike Leach was an entertaining football coach. It was almost like he was a comedian in a football coach's body. And here's just some of the examples of Mike Leach, the entertainer as a football coach. Hey, he was a great football coach, but man, he brought us a lot of joy with some of the things that he talked about that were not football related. And welcome back to... Oops, that's the wrong soundbite right there. That was obviously me talking. So let me try it one more time. And here are some of Mike Leach's Great comments. First of all, what kind of mythical powers does a Sun Devil have? We've got to consider that. I'm going to say the Wildcat's out. Uh, the Trojan, is he? does he have a horse or is he on foot? Does he have a bow and arrow or just his sword? The Bruin, definitely formidable. Another bear up there at Cal. Uh, the tree, I imagine that tree's going to get chopped down. Unless we're going to go with a bird and somebody might get pecked or something, I don't know. The duck might lose interest and just fly away and get out of there, which may be good advice under the circumstances. Uh, The husky, no chance. The beaver, well, we'll see how long that beaver can hold his breath. Um, The ute, again, we're back to, uh, is he on horseback? Does he have a bow and arrow? 
did he trade for a rifle? I mean, you know, because if that youth's got a rifle, there's some definite problems. You know, you'd have to get one of those Harry Potter activists to read up on how you kill a sun devil because there's a lot of uh, outside stuff there. As far as a beast alone, uh, a buffalo's going to be pretty hard to tangle with. I mean, a, bu a buffalo's utterly outstanding. Did I leave any of them out? The cougar will find a way. Uh, Clear-minded and crafty, a combination of stay out of harm's way and and uh, <clears throat> and attack when you get your uh, your chances or your openings. I know you have strong thoughts on weddings. Um, I'm in the middle of planning one right now. Do you have you any are? advice for me? Who yeah. are you marrying? His name is Trevor. Okay. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'll have to you set up a meeting and I'll talk to him. Um, okay, so uh, where's Trevor from? He's from Florida. What does Trevor do for a living? He works in sports as well, covers football. He does what? He covers football as well. Really? Well, I don't know. We'll keep a close eye on it, but whatever you and Trevor decide, I would kind of keep it on the down low, which you failed to do that. Trevor was probably planning to, but you didn't. Uh, so go ahead and... Uh, uh, don't don't say anything else about it, but as soon as the season's over, or even an off week, go elope. Trust me on that. Go elope. Because uh, basically every female in the family is going to terrorize you guys until it's over. Once it's over, I mean, they'll be upset for a few days, but it'll be over. And then, you know, you cruise away, uh, along, have a happy marriage, have a happy life. I'll pass along the message. Thanks, Coach. Congrats okay. on the win. Trevor, unless he's crazy, is totally on my side. And trust me on this. <clears throat> if Trevor doesn't uh, have the sense to do that, Tell him to call me because, I mean, he needs to do trust. I've told all my kids, I'll give you $10,000 extra if you elope. So far, they haven't done it, but I would, too. I'll have him call you for sure. We talked about on the broadcast how you hate candy corn. What's your I favorite Halloween candy? Candy corn. I mean, I completely hate candy corn. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, well, gummy bears, let's see. Uh, gummy bears for sure. Sour or regular? Uh, um, the, the, the hair bow. It's got to be the hair bow ones. And then uh, the other thing I like is uh, is when they used to have the, the uh, sprees in a box. Outstanding. You have to go to the dollar store to find it. But I do. And then the latest, the, the latest, you know, there's still candy innovation, although a while back I found that Europe had better candy than we did overall because <laughs> they have gummy everything. And then, uh, but the uh, um, the, uh, you know, they have those Nerds Clusters, which is new. With the gummy. Yeah, which is good. The Nerds Clusters is good. And then if you go chocolate, uh, probably Almond Joy. Love it. Hopefully you'll get some of that next week. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. He was a beauty. Mike Leach, innovative offensive mind, great for college football. What a horrible loss as we lost Coach Leach last night at the age of 61. I mentioned leading into the bowl season, if Notre Dame played Mississippi State, we'd have a month of Coach Leach, and he would entertain us. And unfortunately, we lost Coach Leach. Mississippi State is going to play their bowl game January 2nd against Illinois, but they will do it with heavy hearts. We're going to miss the Pirate. He was truly a one-of-a-kind. Rest in peace, Coach Leach. It is 6.39. We'll talk some sports wagering next. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on 960 AM WSBT. 
leading off on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy is good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. West League champion. Adios! Walk off home run! Eloy Jimenez! Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye! And maybe that's a winner! Here's Darren Pritchett. And welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. We're live on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app. Darren Pritchett with you on this Tuesday evening. Indianapolis Colts. My goodness, they are in a bad division. Tennessee leading the way in the AFC South at 7-6, and six, but the Colts can't take advantage of this week division. They're a major culprit in this division being so bad this year. Indianapolis is 4-8-1. Of course, earlier this year, they fired head coach Frank Reich, and they brought Jeff Saturday, a member of the Colts Ring of Fame, from the analyst TV broadcast chair to the head coaching position with the Colts. And won his first game with the Raiders. It's been tough going ever since. But the Colts sit right now with a record of 4-8-1. and one. Probably going to have a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. They've got four games left this year. Two on the road. Two at home. You've got a matchup at Minnesota this Sunday at 1 o'clock on our sister station. 96-1 the ton. Vikings are probably going to be a little angry coming off losing to the Lions at Ford Field on Sunday. And, of course, Minnesota features one of the most dynamic players in the NFL in wide receiver Justin Jefferson, former Irish player. Harrison Smith, now a safety with Minnesota, missed the Lion game. We'll see if he comes back for the matchup against the Colts. After the game at Minnesota, the Colts wrap up with a home game against the L.A. Chargers. Then they will play at the New York Giants and wrap up the year against the Houston Texans, who are right now a one-win and one-tie football team, the tie against Indianapolis. So Jeff Saturday is the interim head coach of Indianapolis, and he discussed what he's hoping to get out of these next four contests to wrap up the regular season. Yeah, you know, we, we talked about the focus, obviously, after the bye week. And, uh, you know, don't be denied what, what, what you should be doing, right? And um, that means go take advantage of all the matchups that you have. And so I've challenged each guy individually, um, just talked about where we need to be, what we need to see um, from each guy in particular, and, and the progress we want to see being made. And again, we've made some progress. Obviously, the, the, the Dallas game is the last one we had. That's an awful taste in your mouth, the way we finished that game. But, um, you know, we, we have to we have to continue to get better in certain areas, and everybody has a job they have to go get better at. Uh, but job one is beating Minnesota, and and you got a four game season. And uh, you know when I look at this, we're very capable of winning all four. But you got to start in Minnesota, right? And they they got a lot to play for, playing for a division at their place, getting beat by Detroit. You know, like I said, nobody feels sorry for you in this league. They're gonna they're gonna come at you, um, you know, full tilt. And so expect their best, and then uh, go show them what your best looks like. Also, Saturday today was asked about the disappointing season for running back Jonathan Taylor. JT last year 
ran for 1,811 yards, 18 touchdowns, and he averaged 5.5 yards per carry and 106 yards per contest. This year, totally different story with the offensive line struggling. Quarterback play has not been good to help him. He's got 861 rushing yards, 4.5 yards per carry, four rushing touchdowns, and he's averaging only 86 yards per game. Saturday was asked about why JT is not having the same type of season this year that he did last year. You know, obviously from the success he's had, defenses play a little bit different, right? And uh, we haven't been proficient pushing the ball down the field, taking shots, which means safeties and corners play closer to the line of scrimmage. They can insert better. Um, and so without having that outside kind of pressure that you're putting on guys, it puts more, makes it more difficult for those explosive runs. So it all kind of fits together. Um, and so, it, you know, from, from JT's perspective of him taking advantage when he does get those one-on-ones at the second level and making guys miss, this, uh, but but from from the the entire offense, we have to be better. I think the receivers do a heck of a job here of getting in, blocking. They're full participants, right? Which I respect the heck out of. Uh, but again, it's tough when you're getting you know ten guys or eleven guys down close to the line of scrimmage for those explosive runs. And until we get people off by by making guys miss or making explosive plays with our outside guys, uh, it's going to be tough sledding for JT. There you go, Jeff Saturday, the Colts interim head coach. Indianapolis at Minnesota, Sunday at 1 o'clock. Here the game on our sister station, 96-1, the ton. Show me the money. We go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. And we wrap up today's show with our sports wagering segment, We Going to Sizzler. Well, let me say this up front. My four selections tonight, I don't have a lot of confidence in any. It's not a great sports schedule tonight, so I had to come up with four. So I don't feel great about these. We'll see how they go in a moment. But last night, I went with Kyler Murray and the Cardinals plus two and a half with Kyler going down with a knee injury in the third play of the game. Knew I was in trouble. And sure enough, Patriots won 27 to 13. I know a couple of Wagering services are giving money back if you had bets on Kyler Murray last night. So we're going to take advantage of that, right? For our segment, I had him over 36 and a half rushing yards, but of course getting injured on a running play. Third play of the game, no shot there. Hunter Henry, the Patriots tied in. I had him over 30 and a half receiving yards. He had 31 at halftime, ended up with 70. We'll take the win there. And first half under. 21 and a half total points. That last second field goal beat me. The total ended up being 23. So one and two, eight and seven for the month of December for the year, 234, 208, and six. As I said a moment ago, I'm not overly confident about these, so I wouldn't tail these particular selections. All right, let's get started with college basketball. Furman's a really good basketball team. They fell way behind Penn State in a holiday tournament game, battled back to make it interesting. I think they'll give NC State a run for their money tonight in Raleigh. I've got Furman plus six and a half at North Carolina State. From the NBA, the Kings and the 76ers, defense is optional, so let's go over 228 total points in this game at minus 115. 
from the National Hockey League. I really like this play. Out of the four I chose, I, I like this one the best. The Seattle Kraken and the Tampa Bay Lightning playing in Tampa. I'm going to go under six and a half total goals in this game at minus 120. And finally, World Cup semifinals tomorrow. Let's go with France on the three-way money line against Morocco at minus 180. So Furman plus six and a half. King 76ers over 228 total points. Kraken Lightning under six and a half goals. And the three-way result, France on the money line against Morocco at minus 180. My underdog pick for tonight, the Boston Bruins at home, have lost one time, and that was in a shootout. So I'm going to go Bruins minus one and a half goals against Anders Lee and the New York Islanders at plus 110. Budweiser's weekday sports beat for this Tuesday has been brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you. Their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, this holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. The Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, own, shop, or new beginnings have happy endings. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. And by Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. This holiday season, protect your family from those unexpected life moments. Call Tim at 232-9981. A reminder, you can catch high school boys basketball action coming up in a couple of moments on our sister station, 96-1 The Ton, the Michigan City Wolves visiting the 3-1 Mishawaka Caveman. Brian Miller will have the call again on 96-1 The Ton coming up in just a couple of moments. And just to let you know what's happening next week, it's a holiday week. I'm on vacation, so no sports beat Monday through Friday next week. We'll have national sports coverage from CBS Sports Radio, maybe some bowl action. So no sports beat next week, but we'll be back on the 27th to get you rolling once again for Notre Dame against South Carolina. Have a great evening. It is coming up on the top of the hour at WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 